What happened tonight? Are you feeling okay? It was J.C. Wheeler. J.C. Wheeler told me. Whoa, whoa you met J.C. Wheeler? Yeah, he was at the club last night. That is so cool. J.C. Wheeler told me I need to put myself out there, that I need to be more personal on stage, and that people would connect to it, and then people would relate to me, and then... And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I'm here in the fleshy flesh as we talk about the brand new Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, Strange Highways with no apostrophe. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, don't you get it? That's the joke, right? Um, So, uh, this is, I mean, the show is going to be similar, but it still feels weird to me because it's just. We, we've been talking about a show with the original Twilight Zone that's been around, what, 50 years. And so there's been a lot of like examination and, and history. And then we get something completely brand new that's only existed in the world for, what, five days? And Yeah, yeah. If, if even that, maybe four days. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I'm, uh, I'm excited. And it was funny, like, when I went to go watch it, I haven't necessarily been that excited for it. Like I'm sure you guys can kind of tell in our talks about it. I was I've keeping it at a distance. I didn't want to be let down by it. And I I was looking forward to it, but I wasn't like really excited about it. But the minute it started, and especially the minute Jordan Peele popped up as like the narrator and the credits started, I got really excited. And uh I'm I'm excited to see what this whole season is going to be. But I'm especially excited to talk about uh, these first couple episodes. Yeah, just sitting on my couch watching the the what got me really excited was just the intro credits. I, that sounds maybe a little yeah. silly, but it's just like it's 2019. We're getting brand new Twilight Zone that's being handled with care, you know. And it was it was great. Like it made me it just. I know the previous revival on was it UPN had corn uh, or like that did the intro. So I was really <laughs> anxious about what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it's, this is, uh, this is exciting. And I, uh, I think, I think there's going to be, I think people are excited for this because, uh, this is being treated as kind of, uh, you know, prestige television, even though it's on a streaming service, it kind of feels like people were waiting for this to happen and they can't wait to kind of do like the water cooler talk about it. So this is, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about it, uh, especially episode one. Um, I've also seen a lot of comments of people saying they're going to wait until the whole season's done because they don't want to uh, 
jump behind the paywall to watch them. <laughs> well, that's so fair. I, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what the numbers are going to be as far as like subscribers for CBS All Access and all that kind of stuff. Because I feel like there was a lot of hype leading up to it, and I've seen a lot of publications talking about it. But as far as actual viewers, um, I haven't seen a lot of people, especially on in, in my circles, actually sitting down to watch it yet. It would be weird. Would it? it would be like we're really excited for the new Twilight Zone? And then like two weeks from now, it's like it's not been renewed for a second season. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, all right then. I, well, I mean, there was the Super Bowl spot. I, I feel like CBS All Access. The, the, granted, I was excited for a new Star Trek series, but then that wasn't enough for me to sign up for CBS All Access. But now that I've signed up for the Twilight Zone, because I feel like it's now work related in a way. Um, now I'm more interested in the other original stuff they're also bringing. And also like they have a, like an interesting catalog of stuff. I, I don't know if you looked through some of the other shows that they have available through the streaming, uh, for the access to the site. I was surprised at some of the titles that were there just because I didn't realize CBS produced them. Yeah. I saw, especially some old shows. There was cheers. Up yeah. There. Cheers. Wings. Uh, Brady bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know that I needed all the episodes of wings, but there it is. You know, uh, yeah. if, if you want to watch uh, young Sheldon, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit to, to get to all that stuff. But, but yeah, this was the, this was the, the, the reason for me, you know, for us to sign up for this, you know, we had to do it and you know, maybe this will be what will bring people to CBS all access. So, Whatever. We'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that yeah. they keep the show going, which I don't know why they wouldn't. I feel like with, with us being as as big as it was with its release and as important and got people talking, that especially with these two episodes and some of the commentary that's going on in it, like it would be foolish for them to not continue forward because I don't feel like either one of these episodes like is an absolute embarrassment or falls on their keys. No. I, I do think... Uh uh, the episode we're going to be talking about here, the comedian was kind of a weird choice to start on, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I feel like even, even the second episode, the nightmare at 30,000 feet would have been almost a better season opener for them. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what the rest of the season is. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, if it's anything like the original series we're talking about, this thing's going to swing wildly <laughs> <laughs> into different genres and uh, di- different moods and everything. So uh, I guess I guess we'll see. I, I hate to admit that these two episodes were kind of like the cure for what ails me. Like when we've been kind of recently talking about the season three of the original series that we've been covering, that there's things to appreciate about those episodes, but they were they were frustrating at times. So it was nice to kind of take a step back and see someone else's interpretation of the Twilight Zone. So... Yeah, this was this was came in at the right time for me, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy for, for that. And it, it it might be kind of a uh, <laughs> a positive thing to say about the series so far. Um, the problems I have with it feel like a lot of the problems I've had with some of the <laughs> early Twilight Zone shows. So it definitely feels like. Uh, it, it feels like the Twilight Zone. Absolutely, that was that was something I was thinking about too. Where like I have quibbles with with this one and the next episode, but it that doesn't feel out of line with uh, with kind of where we're at. Which that's the big thing about the media about this. Like there was I've read some reviews after watching this episode and the next one where like the they've talked about like they feel like one was better than the other or whatever. I haven't really gone and found out like I haven't read the negative reviews because I didn't necessarily need that in my mind, not because I'd take their, their opinion as fact, but 
I don't know, like if people, people have opinions and maybe somebody out there, maybe their favorite episode of Twilight Zone is four o'clock. Good on them. But I don't, I, I feel like if you're going to write about Twilight Zone now, and especially with the presentation of, of Peel being the, you know, the, the host and, you know, in front of the camera wearing the suit and like acknowledging where they, where the show was originally, how, how could you not be, I, I just feel like you would be a disservice if they didn't acknowledge like you said, the weird pendulum swings of the original series. Like, I'm not saying that this, uh, you know, can't strive for, for more consistency, but you got to recognize that not every single thing of the twilight zone was gold, you know? So, and you're going to, you're going to be harsh against the first two. I, I don't, I just, I don't understand that. Yeah. And you know, if anything, they're making bold choices. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what the twilight zone is really all about yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll t- we'll talk more about Jordan Peele's narration as we get there, because I, I do want to talk about um, how he comes in as mm-hmm. it's one of our favorite things to discuss <laughs> is how the narrator is introduced and uh, just his presentation, and how he presenta- uh, presents himself on screen when he's there. Yeah. Um, so this is normally where we do day and date, but this was four days ago. So if you guys aren't aware of what's going on in the world, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah. <laughs> like num- number one film, I think is Dumbo, but like the week before was us. So I was hoping that us would beat Dumbo. So we could be like Jordan Peele, number one, at the box office and a new TV show, but you know, an elephant's flying around, people pay money for it. So I'd have nothing else. And if we get into the history of four days ago, we're going to go in some weird places. So we're not going to do that for, for the, yeah, for the this current. Is, this might be the first thing we've ever covered on the show. Yeah. That's uh, current. No, no, I guess we've covered something, but something oh. where I can actually tell you what I was doing on the day it aired. <laughs> I mean, we did cover some black mirror, but that was also a couple years removed from when it was actually originally aired. Yeah. So, yeah, but I can tell you, I went to the gym and watched Monday night raw on the day this aired. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um perfect so uh, let's just get into uh, cast and crew then sure um so this episode was directed by owen harris who uh as i as far as i can see this is the only episode this season that he'll be directing um uh, but he did do two episodes of black mirror so he i did. figured that was worth bringing up um i was surprised by this not because the quality of the episode i just didn't realize that there's that dna between the two shows more more so now um he we, we just talked about i told you about the episode be right back when we just did our last episode about the trade-ins. So he directed that one with Haley Otwell, uh, which is really good. And then San Junipero, which is my favorite of the series so far. Kevin has not seen it and it breaks my heart, but I was super excited to see that the guy who did San Junipero directed this. So good, you know, great director. I was really excited learning after the fact. Yeah. We'll talk about some of his directing style in here. Some of it, uh, I like some of it. I did not like, um, <laughs> <laughs> The episode was written by Alex Rubens, uh, who worked previously with Jordan Peele on a lot of skits for the Key and Peele show. Uh, quite a few episodes of Community, which I'm a big fan of that show, as uh, as I'm pretty sure you are as well, Paul. Yes. Um, and then this was the only episode this season that he'll be writing for the show. And he actually wrote the episode of Rick and Morty, uh, Big Trouble and Little Sanchez with Tiny Rick. Uh, oh man, that's a legendary <laughs> episode of that series. I was really Makes excited sense. to be like, I'm tiny Rick. And I didn't know we'd ever get that crossover into the twilight zone. So I, I, um, I appreciate that. 
Well, thank you, Alex Rubens, for uh, Tiny Rick. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps giving. Um, so we'll jump into the cast. I just snagged a few people. Um, yeah. I don't even really have notes for many of them. Did you have the same problem I had going on IMDb for both these episodes where it was like it was just a shotgun mess of people? Like you're like, I don't. Um, not so much this one, but the next one, I couldn't even find. Um, like Adam Scott was like 30 I couldn't people even down. Find Adam Scott yeah. on the page. Yeah, so I kind of so, stopped after like four or five people because I just didn't know. It's a big rabbit hole. I didn't want to go too far down. Yeah, I just took kind of the main uh, the main players in this one. So obviously, we mentioned him uh, previously. We have Kamel Nunjani, who plays Samir Wasan, who, uh, I mean, everyone probably knows who he is if you're into comedy at all. Um, I guess most recently, people would know him in mainstream stuff with Silicon Valley and uh, The Big Sick got a lot of buzz when it came out yeah and he did some portlandia uh bob's burgers he was in my favorite episode of the x-files revival uh Mulder and scully meet the Wear monster i was really happy to see him there Very nice. uh i the first time i saw him was on at midnight uh the comedy central show and i I have a thing where if a comedian uses the same like line over and over again, it kind of bothers me, which is very appropriate to this episode. So the first time I saw him, he had some kind of joke about hashtag butts and the audience kind of like fed off of it. So a lot of his answers started becoming that. And I'm just like, I'm like this, I don't like this guy. And then, so that was my initial first reaction to him. And then after a while, like kind of seeing him do other things and his, he's actually, he's a really funny guy and like, it seems really genuine. Um, but yeah, that first time I'm like, I, I'm not sure about him. And then thinking of that and then what happens in this episode is very funny to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think first time I saw him, there was a show on MTV called Michael and Michael have issues, mm -hmm. which had Michael Ian Black and, um, Michael, Michael Showalter. Showalter. Yeah. Um, he had a reoccurring role. I think that only was on for like one season. Um, and then I don't know if you ever listened to Doug Loves Movies, the podcast. No, I know what you're uh, talking with about. With Doug though. Benson. Uh, he pops up on there occasionally. So I was familiar with him on there. And then he was in a movie called Hell Baby, uh, probably about like five or six years ago, um, with a bunch of other comedians, with Rob Corddry, uh, Keegan Michael Key, actually, speaking of Key and Peel. Uh, David Wayne, Michael Ian Black, Paul Shear, Rob Hubel, like everybody is in this. It's hmm. this horror comedy. Not the best thing, but he actually has the funniest bit in it. Um, <laughs> so if you ever get a chance to check out Hell Baby, if if you dig Kamel Najani, his his bit is hysterical in it. So I have a quote uh, from him that I, I have here, and it's also very appropriate to the episode. He says, stand up is successful if they laugh. It's unsuccessful if they don't laugh. <laughs> it's an amazing quote yeah uh, that's very true <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i just figured you know like what we're about to talk about it'd be great for him to get his own comment about stand-up comedy so yeah yep and then we have uh tracy morgan as jc wheeler who uh i mostly know him from snl and 30 rock but again he's somebody that pops up all the time and i'm sure uh, if you're listening to this you know who tracy morgan is yeah he was brian fellows and one of my favorite uh, snl uh, skits where he does like the <laughs> the animal safari stuff and he talks about the goat with the devil eyes uh, uh <laughs> yeah i i loved him on 30 rock too those first couple <laughs> seasons of 30 rock uh are always near and dear to me he just always calls uh, liz lemon just calls her just calls her liz lemon no matter what's going on and I, <laughs> I like it uh so imdb.com trivia for him is is an active stand-up comedian Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, IMDb. Yeah. 
I just didn't know if you knew that or not. I just wanted to make sure that you're aware. And I also have a quote for him about comedy, so I'll just read this now too. Uh, you get somebody to crack a smile, that's a beautiful thing. So I think all comedians are earning their wings into heaven. We're all going to heaven, but everybody's not going to get their wings. Some people are just going to be regular angels doing cleanup, janitor work. In heaven, I'm going to sit on a couch with Oprah. That's what he said. <laughs> that's great. Um, so next up, we have Amara Karan, who plays Rena, who... Uh, the only two things I was really familiar with her, she was in a fantastic fear of everything that has Simon Pegg in it. I don't know if you ever saw that. I know of so, it. I have not seen it. Yeah, it's a fun little movie. Um, but she was also in Wes Anderson's Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, it was like her first role. Uh, yeah. She was also recently in that The Night Of, that HBO like miniseries that was supposed to be really, really good. And an episode of Doctor Who that I have seen and didn't realize that was her. Oh, very nice. Um, then a few more, I'm just going to ramble off. I don't really have any notes for them, but they are definitely worth mentioning. We have Diara Kilpatrick who plays Dee Dee Scott. Um, I don't know if you have anything for her. She was in two episodes of that show, the last OG, which is the Tracy Morgan show on TBS. So there might be a connection there. Why she might have. Oh, know. okay. Yeah. All right. Um, then we have Toby Hargrove who plays Joe Donner. Uh, don't really have anything for him. Oh, I, I do. Familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe I maybe I should have. <laughs> no, I just this is this dumb. So first, I thought it was a strong out Bobby Moynihan when I first saw him in the in the episode, uh, but that was not oh, correct. It, I ha- there was a minute uh, about halfway through the episode where he does the there's this like side profile of him turning yeah. from the bar. Then I thought the same thing. It's just something uh, like I was like, oh, Bobby Moynihan's really let himself go in like a matter of like two years off at SNL. Uh, so he was in a, in one of the, um, the air bud spinoffs called super buddies. Uh, it's the one where the golden retriever puppies have superpowers. Just so you know, um, these movies were the bane of my existence when I was working on blockbuster. Cause we'd get like three copies. The, the mothers would run and be like, do you have super buddies? It's like, it's all checked out. And they're like, well, when do you know it's coming back? I'm like, I have no idea when these films are coming back and they would get really upset that they can't take talking golden retriever puppies home. Like the, the videos to their kids. But yeah, he was in Super Buddies. Yeah, he also did a movie called Prego Land. <laughs> so I don't, is, I don't know is about it about that. being pregnant or are you just like pasta sauce? Like, what is that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, and more recently, uh, I guess it's sci-fi related, so I should bring it up. Uh, that Altered Carbon show on Netflix. Yeah, I have that as well. I have not seen that and I feel like it's right up my alley. I've not watched it yet. Yeah, I just figure it's it's within the genre, so we should mention it. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, it doesn't have any other credits, but he does play a pretty significant role in the episode. I have Mark Joseph who plays Devin, uh, the nephew, the nephew. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't actually write him down, so I feel bad. Maybe like, I didn't even know, like he has a nephew. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, oh, and I, I probably should mention, uh, Ryan Robbins as well plays David, David. Oh, the, the, um, um the mentor. Like I didn't, I, again, looking through the IMDb cast listing, I wasn't sure who everybody was. So I didn't actually write him down. I'm I'm at least glad that you mentioned him because he does have, you know, like he, he plays a part in the, in the story. So it's worth mentioning. So, uh, I I guess the only thing I've really seen out of his filmography is he plays Raiden in Mortal Kombat Legacy (laughs) that with Michael Jai White and Casper (laughs) Van Dien. I actually bought that Blu-ray. It's, it's, kind of cool kind of dumb i've seen some of the, <laughs> the initial shorts before they did the whole thing and it's a, it's i i appreciated uh, what they were trying to do with it yeah it's 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 kind of cool um i bought it basically because michael jai white was in it so playing jacks um 
but yeah, I didn't realize he played Raiden. But I guess that kind of makes sense. Well, the he guy, sounds like Raiden. Yeah, uh, given you know this nice advice and the bird and barges in everywhere. Uh, and he actually was in one episode of the 2000 series of Twilight Zone. Oh, the episode the path. Wow, look at that! All all the connections here. We just need uh, a call back to the 80s, and then we'd be good. <laughs> oh, and and Turbulence Three Heavy Metal. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's but, it for Cass and Crew. Now. Was uh, was Ray Liotta in that one as well? Because wasn't he the bad guy in the first Turbulence? The, is that the, they just keep him? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I don't think he came back for Turbulence Three Heavy Metal. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't afford even Ray Liotta by that point. Right. We'll just, we'll just get somebody else with Ray Liotta eyes. That'll be that'll, we'll just, maybe. I, I got nothing. But anyway, that's your cast and crew. Apparently, they got uh, Ryan Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, they, that guy did Raiden. We got to get him in here. Um, yeah, that's that's cast and crew. And normally we'd say let Sterling take it away, but now I gotta say let uh, let Jordan Peele take it away. Oh, so exciting! Samir Wassan is an artist of great principle, a man who refuses to compromise his beliefs for a cheap joke. But tonight, he felt the rush of the limelight for the first time. Now, he'll have to decide what really matters to him when the laughter stops and how much he's willing to give to the Twilight Zone. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I Like I said, when he pops up on screen is when I got really excited for the series. Um, I, I, I didn't know what to expect, and I knew he was kind of apprehensive about doing it because... He didn't want people to see him be like, oh, that's a guy from Key and Peele. Like, when's he going to make a joke? (laughs) Yeah. And he thought it was going to feel awkward. Um, And it is kind of awkward. And that's what I love about it. Because Serling was really awkward. And Serling was also very apprehensive about being an on-screen narrator for The Twilight Zone. So there's a lot of parallels between the two and they both carry themselves in very similar ways when they're on screen for this. And also his, his uh, delivery of the, the intro, it's not, it's, it's not Serling, but no, it feels inspired by, and and like I, so I liked how like matter of fact, and it is a bit clipped. Like he, he does, he does a better like Serling, like, you know, in passing than I ever try when I try to read the, you know, the, the teasers for the next episode. I, I liked it. I also liked that they gave him, he had like, what was it like? Um, maybe a, a book or something uh, in his hand. He just sat down on the table because clearly he's not going to be smoking. Well, you know, that book is uh Kamel Nanjani's is it notebook. His, his notebook. Okay. With all, yeah. His, the, you know, the yeah names. With okay. all the notes that we'll get to as we uh, talk about this, but that's actually his, his joke book that he's writing in the whole. Uh, that makes episode. sense. Okay. So, but yeah, it's cool. And the music in the background is like, that's that we'll talk about the music more. Please remind me to talk about it because the second time watching this, I have with a little bit more focused attention and headphones on the scoring in this is just awesome. And I liked, I liked, there's a lot of callback, but also still feels modern and it was really cool. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much you want to get into the plot. Cause I feel like, uh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on, but not everything needs to be touched on. Well, <laughs> so I don't know where you want to start. I, it, it's it's tough, right? Because like this is it's a 55 minute long episode, and so if we go point by point by point, then we're going to be here for who knows how long. Because um, you know me, I'll just keep rambling. Uh, so I, mean, I guess we could just sum it up saying 
we have our, our main character, um, Samir Wasan, who he's you know, been a comic for five years trying to find his footing. Once he, he is presenting what he thinks is interesting to the audiences, but it's political. And even though the joke kind of has a point to it, but by the time he gets to the end of it, no one cares. And he keeps trying to force his, his idea of what comedy is on everybody. And it's just not landing and he's frustrated with it. Um, and that, 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 that joke, his whole second amendment joke comes back like three times in the episode. And each time I just grip my teeth because the audience just does not react to him trying to bring it in. Uh, so yeah, he ends up meeting JC Wheeler, uh, Tracy Morgan, and who is this famous comic that is like, um, a recluse now. And you find, you kind of figure out why, but they start talking about the tenets of comedy and, and what makes good comedy. And, and Wheeler's like, you just got to put yourself out there. But if you do, the audience takes it. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically that thing. Like when you create art or you create, like let's say a podcast that we're doing right now, you put it out into the world. It's, it's no longer yours. It's, it's whoever is taking that art and digesting it. Like it's, it's theirs to decide how they, um, they, they basically how they dissect it or what they take from it. It's theirs now. It's no longer yours. And they they consume it and they want the next thing, you know? So, so, um, Samir thinks he knows what Wheeler's talking about. Uh, he goes up on stage the next time and he starts off with a second amendment joke no one cares. And so well, actually I should back up. He also has like a, like a kind of like a frenemy type of rivalry with another comic as well, who is, um, uh, Dee Dee. Dee Dee. And so she's just like, you know, you just need to be funny and try trying jokes. I think is what she says to him. Yeah. So like, you get the idea that she's kind of ribbing them. Like they're friends. Like you, you've been, you've been doing this for five years. You, you come across people. I'm sure, you know, like regardless of how they might feel about your performance, you get to know them and you're friendly with them. But he's like, I don't want to do cat and dog jokes. I don't want to do like living in New York jokes because he wants to aspire to something bigger. And then she's like, but, you know, she doesn't say it outright, but it's like if that's what people are laughing at, like then maybe, you know, maybe write something that way as opposed to trying to force what you believe is to be the correct form of comedy. And he goes up and tries this joke again. It falls flat. So he starts talking about his dog and the audience starts laughing. And so he leans into it and has a really great set. Yeah. And I, I want to bring up like all of the comedy bits in this. None of them are funny. No, at all. No. And it's it's really awkward and off putting for the first half of this episode before you realize I, I shouldn't say half because you figure out what's going on pretty quickly in here. But uh, this first set between his awkward bomb that you see at the beginning and then him killing it, uh, I guess, pun intended, Um like the jokes still aren't funny, but people are reacting like it's the best thing they've ever heard. And it, it's really off-putting and really weird to watch, but it it does pay off. So <laughs> no, it does pay <laughs> it, off. It makes sense. And, and credit to uh, Camille Nanjiani that he's able to still, uh, as his performance of, even though he knows what he's saying isn't necessarily funny, but he's reading the room and just starts talking more and more about his dog named cat which is short for caterpillar, which is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, But the audience kind of reacting it, it, uh, as the episode goes on, you're right. It's just the moment they start laughing. It's like, you just get uneasy because it just feels like there there's, 
it's not again it's not spoken in the episode but you get this notion that like they're there for an experience and they're going to take what's given and because it's personal they're going to consume and it's just this feedback loop that kind of happens and you're right none of the jokes none of them are funny in this episode and at first i was like you got all these you know this comedy talent the guy who wrote it and wrote for key and peel and you got you know kamel who's you know good stand-up like you're expecting something to be funny in there and none of it lands yeah which which is per purposeful yes like i i don't it's not mental no yeah, I mean, um, yeah i wasn't I, I, that's I, not a negative I love that just, they yeah. got i love that they got these comedians in this episode though because i feel like these are people are able to bring that depth to the character because they actually understand uh the world that they're acting in and what is trying to be said by uh this uh, teleplay so yeah i mean absolutely and i so i, I guess i want to ask here because we're acknowledging that none of the jokes are funny and you have a guy who wrote for Key and Peele um, and you ask about this being a strange first episode for the, the, the reboot of the series. Uh, I wonder, so you have, you have an African, African American who's the narrator. You have a Pakistani born guy who's the lead in this and you have somebody who wrote for Key, uh, Key and Peele. So he obviously interacted with a lot of different, like, cause there's a lot of like uh, subtext and commentary and their, their, their jokes that they make on that show. And it's wonderful. I, I think almost this is them just daring anybody to say anything, not as in like, they're going to have a fight, but it's like, this is the twilight zone. It's still the twilight zone. It's just, there's going to be, it's going to, it's, it's more, not updated is not the right word, but we're coming out of the gate swinging with there's going to be, there's a lot of things that have changed societally and this is how this is going to go. And it makes me wonder if they weren't just kind of making the statement of you wanted this, it's going to make you question some things. And you know, some people that might, I, I don't know I, if people have shit on this for being because there's people of color in it, then that's a big problem. But I feel like this is kind of a bold statement with this one coming out of the gate with everybody involved. Yeah, and I think it kind of sub subverts your expectations as well because, like you said, you're expecting – you got the writer from Key and Peele. You got Jordan Peele on screen. You have Kamel Najani. You have Tracy Morgan. You have all these people that you would associate with something that's going to be funny, and they give you something that is – I mean – horrifying I, I don't know it didn't necessarily horrify me but there there were moments um yeah, and it, it just it completely you expect at some point something funny is gonna happen <laughs> and yeah. uh it doesn't so i i think it's one of those things where it's just like maybe they're just trying to get rid of that expectation up front they're like this is this is different <laughs> well like tracy morgan is he's actually very very disturbing with the way he, he talks and sets things up, like just, you know, he's a guy who's seen some shit and he's being real about, you know, what comedy is and what it takes from you. And you, we've all seen Tracy Morgan be just ridiculous. And this is very subdued and it, yeah. it, it does, it does set the tone. And I, I really appreciate that. But the question I was going to ask, and I got away from myself because that's what I do is, do you think that the, with them purposely not making things funny, but people consuming, and laughing, do you almost feel like the writer of this, like with his time with Key and Peel, is this almost like a comment on like, I, I we give you guys everything, and and then you know you just want more, and even if it's something that we don't necessarily believe in, not that's not, not the right way to say that, but maybe even the lesser efforts are laughed at just the same as the things you put a lot of hard work into. Like, is that a commentary on the audience and kind of the way media works now? I, I wonder. Yeah, I. I 
I could say I could see that because there is the line. I, I think it's Dee Dee who says it. it. It may have been uh, Tracy Morgan in it that says the audience doesn't care about politics. They care about you and everything. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of parallels that you can take outside of just the comedy world and just place it on entertainment and media as a whole. So I, I could definitely see this as a commentary on that. And just the fact that like Key and Peele walked away from that show and it was at the height of popularity. I mean, like you, you could not avoid Key and Peele references for a while. And they just decided, you know, like our quality is going to wane. We're going a step away. We're going to step away. Well, we, we made something great. Like you guys take it <laughs> like, um, we're not, we're not going to wane in quality. You know, we're going to move on to other things. So I, I could see that. Yeah. So maybe it's me overthinking, but that's kind of the vibe I got, especially the second time through. Um, so we, we find out that as, um, as Samir goes home, he's going to go walk his dog named cat short for caterpillar. Uh, and he goes to, to wake up his girlfriend, uh, Rena and tells her that he did like had a great set and where's the dog at. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, he like early on this episode, it's like, it's pretty obvious that the moment he names something from him, like that's a, that, that he has an emotional reaction or attachment to the moment it's out there in front of the audience and they laugh and they chew it up. It just it gets blipped out of existence. Um, and yeah. this is a loop that kind of happens over and over again in the episode, uh, with, you know, it, which complicates things. And I like, it's just, I, I just, me personally, I don't know if we needed as much of it as we got, but it was all enjoyable. Yeah. So I was I was talking to my wife as as we finished this episode and, um, you know, there's so many times as we're going through the original Twilight Zone, we're like, if it wasn't so fast and we had maybe another 20 minutes or so to develop the story, you could have had something great. Whereas I feel like this is the opposite, where it's like you have a great idea. It probably would have been better as like 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even like even going down to 40, like I feel like there could yeah, have been the know. second episode is only 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. If this was 35 minutes and you cut off some of the uh, stuff we're about to get to, um, I, I, I think this would have had a better pace to it and it would have gotten the same thing across. Yeah, I, I agree. So we, we find out that like and also we should mention, too, that um, uh, Bobby Moynihan, that's not really him. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, Joe, Joe Donner, the other yeah, comedian that's the, in this club. Uh, so there's this like this reoccurring image of this bus shelter near the comedy club that's covered in like police tape, and there's like you know uh, teddy bears and stuff because there was an accident there, and you find out that 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 comedian was a drunk driver and actually hit um, was it a mother and a child and killed them yeah. and got off like the the court system found him like not guilty, and you can tell yeah. that sticks in like like Samir's like bothered by this. Yeah, and you see the Joe Donner character constantly like harassing women, just uh, just being an obnoxious drunk at the bar every time you see him in this episode. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty easy to to uh, root against him, especially the one point when he hands the mic over to Samir and he's like, "the my, the next comic needs no introduction," basically being like, "I'm not gonna tell you this guy's name," and he burps into the microphone and blows on it and hands it to Samir, like it is disgusting. Yeah. So, uh, at, at this point, I think this is when his nep- nephew, uh, Devin is introduced. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I guess his girlfriend's nephew, uh, Devin, is introduced, <laughs> yeah. and um, he's trying to he's trying to do his regular set and everything again. He starts out with the Second Amendment joke. Um, it's falling flat, and he's looking at everyone texting on their phone, and he decides to tell a story about his the only way he can get across like any communication to his nephew is by texting him. Um, and sure enough, his nephew after the set vanishes he doesn't <laughs> exist anymore so you get the repeat of that and everything so he goes home and he's trying to find um he's trying to find out what happened to Devin. and i like so when peel is introduced um earlier in the episode as the narrator there's a there's a pan that goes by a wall into the other room and you see a picture and it's got their whole family in it and everything and it's got Devin in the front kneeling down this is after the dog disappears. And it looks like he's supposed to be petting a dog. There is no dog in the picture. Um, he goes back to this picture at this point and Devin is gone. So I didn't catch it uh, the first time through. Uh, I went back and actually double checked to see what was in that picture. If the dog was there or wasn't. And his hand is out like he's petting one. So I like that little uh, attention to detail even from the get go on this. Yeah, and I didn't pick up on the, the photo until the second time through because it's not an important detail supposedly. Until well, they they pan so slowly past it. No, I you're right. Took I just, note of it. I was like, this picture is going to come back at some point. No, that that's fair. Uh, but I just, I didn't pick up on it. Um, so yeah, like so he goes in. And it's like talking to Rana. He's like, yeah, your nephew, like your your sister, you know, like had this kid, and she's like, you know, my sister can't have kids. It's like, oh, there's something way darker going on here. But he doesn't realize that the moment that the nephew's gone, like it's almost like a like a. Um, I don't know, like an edit to a tape where everything just kind of gets blanked out and a history kind of like sets itself in place because Devin never existed. And because since her sister could never have kids, Devin didn't exist, but that's a real dark moment to be able to bring up. Like, you know that and he's like freaking yeah. out about it. Yeah. And then we're introducing this scene too, to the uh, David character, which is Rena's uh, mentor at the law firm that she works at. And uh, this guy oversteps his boundaries quite a bit in the episode. Um, so, you know, uh, as soon as you're introduced to him, you know exactly what his fate's going to be. Um, How but great. It, it was kind of a feel good moment for me. In this. <laughs> David is obnoxious. How great would it have been if it had been Bradley Whitford in that role? Like, I think that would have been like perfect. But the guy, the, the guy that did it was, was fine. But yeah, he's this yeah. guy that's like, since he's a mentor, he has to have an opinion uh, or, or like an, a, a learning moment with everything that's going on. And then and even whenever the couples in, in the, the bathroom talking about everything, he's like, like walks right in and starts talking. It's like, David, like you personal space, you know, it's just very frustrating. And I can, I yeah, can and, completely and not sympathize. to mention the fact, I think, uh, um, uh, oh my God, I forgot his character's name. Samir. I always end up doing this and just calling them by their actor's names. Yeah. Samir is like, uh, it brings up the fact that they're basically having a romantic dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it is weird. Uh, and, but, but then as like the doors closed, cause she's like, David, please, you know, and then you hear him like down the hallway still, he's listening and still commenting on things. Yeah. Uh, but, but Samir's trying to tell her like, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, he, he admits to something changed and then he has the realization of like, Oh, well, I mean, if, if Devin's just never existed, then it's not like it's murder. <laughs> like, yeah. like that moment of realization of like, I mean, I didn't kill him, but he's gone, you know? So yeah. I, and I should take back, there are a, a few moments, uh, 
with Kamel that are actually pretty funny in this. Just but, his but they're reactions. never they're never on stage though. And I think that's what you're pointing to is that you yeah, can see he's yeah, actually definitely. a funny guy. It just doesn't come out on the stage. Uh, but he starts to kind of you know piece it together that him bringing this in front of everybody is changing things and it's removing stuff. So then uh, I like that. He, like, here's the one part of the episode that I'm like, if I was writing it, it would be exactly what would happen. He's on the computer, like sitting in bed on a laptop, looking yeah. up old high school and college people that he just did not like. And I'm like, yeah, I'm shallow enough uh, to admit that if I realized this is what was going on, I'd come up with a list of names as well. You know, I'd be Arya Starking it the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny how it was like a quick cut montage, too, of him like in names as he's searching them. And you can just see like the excitement and uh uh, the fever pitch he's reached as he's like typing everyone's name in and flipping through pictures. Um, oh, but I, yeah. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. The, the next day at the club, he ends up getting a headline gig cause he's doing so well. Um, and I, I want to bring up some of the directing style. So mm-hmm. up until now, you've gotten a lot of real close up shots of the face, which I like. Um, I wish they would have leaned away in the first half of this episode from some of the handheld stuff that they were doing. Yeah, there was a nice, really uh, long, like tracking shot at the beginning that went from the mural on the wall in the back of the club to him that I liked. Yeah, uh, and and right about here is where things kind of switch for me because there is the overhead shot mm-hmm. that starts on the on the back wall, which the wallpaper is incredible. The kind of shining esque uh, wallpaper with pictures of all the different comedians, uh, but it's that overhead shot of the crowd as it. Uh, goes up to the stage where he's performing but it, there's just later on the episode as things start to get a little bit more chaotic the handheld stuff works but i wish they would have kept it smooth the whole time mm-hmm. until things got unhinged at the end that was my only thing because it it was real shaky and i don't know i was having a little bit of a glitching problem um it, it was almost like drop frames every once in a while on <laughs> the cbs app i don't know if you had that issue I mean, not to my knowledge, I didn't notice anything that felt technical. So between that and the handheld stuff on some of the close-ups, it was it was almost making me dizzy mm-hmm. for the first half of this half of this episode. That, that, that's valid, I, you, but I can understand the decision to start like you know getting closer and closer. And if, when we get to the end here, whenever you know you have him on stage, his you know for the, the end of the episode, it is so tight against his face yeah. that it's it, it works. And, and yeah. I really like it at that point, but I. I feel like if they would have started a little bit further away and have more static cameras Mm -hmm. in the beginning that when it finally gets the handheld stuff at the end and it's real close up and real manic, I think it would have paid off a little bit better. I, I, that's valid. I agree with that. Um, so we we also find out that, uh, so he targets, um, there was a Joe Donner, uh, the, the abusive, uh, Bobby Moynihan. Um, and like, he, you know, he calls him out and basically he's like, that guy murdered people. And then he finds out that like, you know, Joe goes away because everybody laughs and eats him up. Uh, and then when Camille, not Camille, Samir, see, I did it now, uh, <laughs> goes outside and he sees that the, the, the bus shelter is actually, you know, it looks like it's never been hit. Uh, he realizes, and this is before he starts doing the names with the high school students or whatever, that he can actually like, have, like cause some positive change. I like it that the people are walking out. They're like, you're really funny. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I also saved two lives tonight. Like he goes into the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, one of them was a baby. You know, like that's, I thought that was funny, but that's when he realizes that he has the ability to like with removing people, it undoes a lot of the bad that they did, 
which that also brings into question about the very end of the episode, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. So he gets rid of a few bullies and uh, a former coach that he had that apparently was a uh, um, uh, child molester and all this stuff. And uh, he realizes, like you said, comedy can make a difference if he if he uses his power for good. Um, but eventually he needs he wants to get rid of David. Um, <laughs> he has a fight with Rena and he's like, I, I need to get rid of this guy. Um, so he ends up doing a little bit about David and, um, he disappears. Yeah. But first we learn that like, if he tries to target somebody that he doesn't have like a known reaction to or something like something that's not personal, it doesn't work. Like he tried calling out the president. Oh. He tried calling out the guy on the bus that he saw. Yeah. Like, there's the skinhead on the bus yeah. and he's like, yeah, I met a murderer today. And, and no one um, cared. <laughs> and then he gives the name. He calls out the name and he's like, oh. That guy must have gave me the wrong name. Well, he made up a name. On the, yeah, he made up a name <laughs> just to try to be like, oh, well, I have to have a name, you know. So he tries fabricating information that's not accurate, and no one cares. And then he goes into David, and then he finds out that, like, yeah, he was able to wish him away to the cornfield, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, that good pull. that that affects uh, this actually has a lot more common like when when the sky was opened. I feel like at times too. Um, but he finds out because he removed David that she never went to law school and is now working at a diner. And he, he realizes that he made a big mistake by, yeah, even and though there, there's yeah. a bunch of ripples too. Yeah. So not only is she working at a diner, but, um, because she was working at a law firm, they could afford stuff and they ended up taking a trip to Paris, which ended up saving their relationship. So now that she's working this diner, they couldn't ever afford to go to Paris. So that trip never happened. So their relationship is pretty much over because he wished away David. Yeah. So he realizes like, and, and, and uh, credit to Camille's performance too. Like he, he, you know, you, there, there's a nice shot of him after she confronts him in the diner. And it's this nice, like, like wide shot of him with his head down in the diner. Like it's really, it's a really pretty shot of him. Yeah. Like realizing that he really screwed up like her life. And there is a cost to there's a, like a legitimate cost to his his ability or the deal he's made to have this happen and i like that there's that part of it because if he didn't have the personal stake then him just having the ability to, to, to you know call people out on the stage and make them disappear there'd be no weight to it so i, I liked the emotional part of this yeah um and a, another thing on the production level i was kind of calling out some of the camera movements and the camera style but uh the episode is really lush with colors mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, it looks fantastic outside of some of that handheld stuff and the shaky cam that I was uh, uh, complaining about. But yeah, like it, a lot of the exteriors and everything and it, all the stuff in the club is just so rich and uh, so dense with uh, just colors and information and characters. It's just everything looks fantastic on the set. Yeah, which I was hoping like it would be it'd be weird if they if they are like you know by the way the Twilight Zone's coming back and we're not going to give it any money to to make it possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and even though this is just for a streaming service uh, and that sounds kind of dismissive and I don't mean it that way, it makes you wonder what CBS's budget is for this versus. But then again, they've they've been producing Star Trek Discovery and I'm sure there's money behind that. So I was wondering like we've been seeing the squeeze in the original series of when they they start tightening the belt of what happens. 
And yeah, this thing's gorgeous. Then you, you said it's lush. There's some wonderful golds and browns, like just in the scenery. It's it's very, it's a really pretty episode to look at. Yeah, when I think about it, I just get this like swash of like red, gold, and browns, like that wood color. Like it's it's uh, it's it's really nice to look at. Um, yeah. So we find out like uh, since his his life's kind of kind of screwed up uh, that, but however, he's going to the club. Uh, and it's been revealed that there's actually like a talent scout that's going to be in the crowd, to, like like an SNL type show is going to pull one of the comedians, him or Didi, into like you know this is basically an open audition to get on the show, and uh, so that becomes the whole thing of like you're close to you know getting what you want because in the meantime he's building up followers and stature and all this stuff too, and as he's trying to to tell like Didi like you know what I'm not going to do this like this is too much she. She's an interesting character in the sense that she's been kind of like, you know, jabbing him this entire time, but you kind of get the idea that they are friends, but she's like, no, I don't want you to give this to me. Like I want to earn it. And if you happen to, to get it, then I know it went to the right person. And that's for someone, she's not an antagonist, but she is definitely like a driving force for his comedy. Uh, yeah. I like that kind of turn of like, I respect you and I don't know why you suddenly got funny, but we're going to, we're going to do this on the stage. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to give it to me. And I like that. But he's just like distraught, and then all of a sudden, um, the vape ghost that is J.C. Wheeler shows up again. Yeah, like- <laughs> which uh, we when we started doing this podcast, we were going to start the cigarette count on the episodes. Uh, this is the first time we've had a a vape on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, and this so- is the first time uh, Mr. Death uh, smokes a. <laughs> yeah that's vape a, so that, yeah that's that's fair uh so uh so samir calls out jc wheeler and he was like he's like uh um he's like i want to be chris rock not an evil david copperfield which i thought yeah was funny which, line. that line was funny yeah and there's actually more <laughs> like, to that later i'll, I'll tell you yeah, why. i was gonna yeah. i was gonna bring that up as well uh <laughs> later on and then jc wheeler's like it's not murder he's like it's not murder if there's no crying moms and the way he says it he doesn't say it funny but it's a funny line um, but basically he's like, you have this ability. They never existed. So there should be no guilt. You're so close to what you want. Go take it. Um, actually, you know, I'm not going to say what he says line for line. Cause it's, you know, there's, there's the F bomb in it. Maybe we should take a moment now. How do you feel about the language in these two episodes? I, I was completely fine with it. Okay. I think it, it felt more realistic. It felt like modern TV. I, I, I didn't even think twice about it. Um, it, to be honest, I saw some comments today talking about how people were kind of it was jarring for them to hear the language. And I, I didn't even notice it while I was watching it. So I, I, I did. I don't, just, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, fine. like watching something like Black Mirror, like since there was no there was no precedent for what that show was like, the language didn't bother me. I'm not trying to be a prude, but the point that was brought up was that the Twilight Zone is something that's actually very approachable for a, not a younger audience, but you could watch it with younger kids. And you know that even though the ideas might be something that you could discuss and, you know, the ideas are dark, you're never going to have to worry about the whole, like, what did they just say type of thing? And, and yeah. not that, and not that I'm saying if I ever had kids, I would be like, so like, you know, hyper worried about language. However, I feel like, cause you talked about, you watched all, a lot of the stuff when you were a kid on VHS and I'm, I'm sure that the people that were around probably didn't bother about language a whole lot, but still there's something to be said for like young kids being like, you know what? Let's just watch the comedian. Oh, what did that one, the one comedian say about her body parts? Like that's still, it's, it's not off putting, but it is, it's different. Yeah. 
But I feel like in the age of the internets, uh, in the internets, God, <laughs> in the age of the internet, I feel like kids have heard way worse. That, that's that's true. I'm I'm, but I but me it, doing the show with you, I don't feel comfortable with repeating some of the things they said this episode. I feel like because <laughs> I feel like we try to yeah. keep it like PG thirteen. I know we swear a little bit, but there's some stuff where you're like, oh, that's a that's a something. You know? <laughs> Yeah, Didi's got a few lines. <laughs> and then uh, you know, then Vape Ghost says, you know, um, like what do you say? Uh burn burn the effing house down is what he says is basically like you're so close, just go take it. Like does not matter anybody standing in your way, take it. And yeah. 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 So he goes out there and um Didi had just finished her set, the crowd's laughing and everything. And he goes out there and he's about to say, give it up for D and he stops himself and he realizes that if he finishes it, she's going to disappear. So eventually he, he realizes he's going to, he's going to do it. So he says, give it up for Dee, Dee and she disappears off, off uh, stage. So he gets out there, she's gone now and he's starting his set. And, uh, this, this was the, definitely the best part of Kamel's performance. And this was, uh, him just, yelling all these names out of bullies from high school, college teacher, like whoever he could think of just to yell names out to get this reaction from people. Um, the crowd's laughing. There are people literally like falling over in their chairs laughing. And, uh, it's, it's real disturbing the way some of the people are laughing in the crowd. Um, but then throughout that, um, there's a, there's a boo that starts happening and it turns out, Rena's in the crowd. Yeah, and he he's like you know like he's like read the room and he, and he says something else, but like she calls him out. She's like, I found your book, and it's just she's like, it's just names. She's like, I don't even know these people. She's like, you're just tearing people down. And there's this 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 hesitation where you see like he's almost like set his sights on her, but then he, he starts to talk about like now I want to tell you about somebody like, you know, that I know, and I forget what he says exactly, but he kind of front sells it, but he's like, I'm going to talk about me. And yeah. he goes in this whole thing about him being like a, a human garbage can that just needs, you know, like uh, attention and money. And the, the lines that are, they're actually kind of funny, but it's just very like, he's sweating. He's falling apart on stage, but he's just being real and raw. And the audience is just like, the more they laugh, like I was half expecting before he started getting into him, I was expecting to see some people like bleed out of their ears or die because they were laughing so much because he was giving them so much fuel because we talk about how like everything can be burnt up with what he puts out there. I was Damn. expecting this to go like a little bit more gross and it didn't considering all the language in this. I was like, Oh, they're going to show blood, but they didn't show blood. Um, yeah. But then he just, he just goes into this whole thing. And, and then at the end he's like, I've been, and he says his name. And the microphone just drops to the floor while everybody's just laughing. And it's it's very it's a very haunting shot. Yeah. So then you get uh, after uh, back at the bar um, off stage, you see that everyone that he wished away is back. You see Devin. You say you see uh, Rena. You see Dee Dee. Um, I can't remember if you end up seeing um, Joe Donner. Or not, I didn't. I didn't but, see him. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see him, but. Uh, maybe hopefully he stayed, <laughs> he stayed disappeared. I don't know. <laughs> um, but that implies though, like if, if, if everything's been reset 
and Samir never existed, then that the sh- then Donner's there and he killed those people. So and then like the 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 was it the football coach is back. Uh, all the people like that he mentioned one of his people he went to high school with murdered his fiance. Like all these horrible people are back in existence and all the tragedies they caused are still there. Um, which it's not really said, but it's kind of implied. And that, that that feels like old twilight zone where there's more questions about the resolution. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a few people, um, bring up the idea. I didn't think about it. Um, as, as I was watching it, but people are bringing up as a plot hole that what if he just, uh, said JC Wheeler on stage. With this whole situation have gone away. <laughs> that, that, that's valid. I think I don't know it, if it's a plot it is a hole. Valid point. But, I, yeah. I don't think I'd call it a plot hole. It's just uh, it, it is a it is a good idea, but um, I think there's more emotional resonance with having Kamel disappear at like, the end of what it. What if you just called out Hitler? Like I mean, I know they talk about the president, but I think everybody has a personal reaction to Hitler. Like what would have happened there? It'd been like you know who, who's an asshole? Adolf Hitler. Like what if that would have like reset like most of modern history? We don't know the yeah. power and the extent. Um <laughs> whatever. Like he calls out but Jesus it, Christ and everything's just done. Like <laughs> <laughs> But like he said uh, uh it it is like Twilight Zone where you got this great idea and it's definitely not develop to explain everything you're mm-hmm. just supposed to kind of take it as it is it's a character and arc it, yeah yeah and it, it, that's that's why a lot of people are really upset with like he should have just wish away jc wheeler like that's dumb that he said his own name but I'm, uh, it, it's it's one of those things where i don't really want to overthink it like i i like where this episode mm-hmm. ultimately ended up going i i I I felt for the main character, and I think that's what I was trying to do. So whether or not saying J.C. Wheeler's name would have helped or fixed everything doesn't really hinder my appreciation for this episode. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, like, it's just him admitting to what he is, you know? So, like, yeah. blaming like, somebody it, else would not have solved that problem, you know? Like, if it's the morality tale of, like, how many lives or, you know, the people you love that you're going to hurt to get what you want and everything, and the fact that he was willing to go this far that he lost himself in the process and everything, like, if you go by typical Twilight Zone morality tales and cautionary tales, like, he has, he eventually had to be punished for that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, he wished away a lot of people, whether or not they deserved it or not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. He wished them away. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. And so at the end you got the vaping, uh, ghost devil. That's JC Wheeler tempting DD now, like with like, the same offer or the same power. Yeah. Um, and then you get like at the very end, you see that mural of people again and some mirrors amongst yeah. them. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, the shining moment, the shining Jack, moment, the Jack Torrance moment, which yeah. I love it. It's, it's great. It is good. And it is, it is funny to mention they did a shining moment in key and peel. Um, I don't know if you ever, it's, it's actually one of my, is it the continental breast, breakfast one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I was on my honeymoon in Maui, like every time we did anything in the, uh, hotel, I was like, well, when in Rome, <laughs> like, I quote that so much. That when they did it, I was like, yeah, they did do a shining bit on Key and Peele. <laughs> yeah. Just, he's like, this is this continental breakfast or what? He just goes on and on and on about it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. complimentary. <laughs> continental? <laughs> when in Rome. I love it. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I like the little shining reference at the end. It was cool because immediately when this uh, – they open on that wallpaper of all the comedians who I guess in theory have had the same arc as Kamel's character, Samir. Like, 
if if you appear in that wallpaper, you must have been somebody that went through the same arc. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, and I, did... I I don't know what you got out of. There's a whole bit about the apostrophe in because the comedy club that they're playing at is uh, Eddie's with no apostrophe. So my whole thing was that there was an Eddie at some point, and he eventually went through this whole situation with J.C. Wheeler and disappeared and when he disappeared the apostrophe went away on the club that's kind of what Maybe. i took out of it i just feel like the place was owned by two guys named eddie so it's literally eddie's that's that was kind of what i was thinking like they're, they're, there's okay two guys. maybe i overthought that <laughs> I, no there's I've no real answer i don't thinking about this apostrophe for like two days now <laughs> I, I just but I, the only thing that i'm confused about is there's a point after he has that breakdown um and sees jc wheeler the second time he has the no apostrophe sign and he's he ripped it apart and he's like trying to piece it together on the floor. And yeah. I still haven't quite figured out what he was trying to do with that or if he was just it was just part of a mental break. And I, I think he was thinking. trying to put the pieces back together because he was thinking about his nephew, not nephew. And it's almost like if I could make the pieces fit, then, you know, I can undo this. I don't, that's the only yeah. thing I got from that. Yeah, I, I kind of got that as well. But I felt like there was something I was missing there outside of that. Yeah, it wasn't the strongest. Um, but again, I, I feel like I didn't think we needed necessarily that moment because it, I don't know how much it added other than the fact that he remembered his nephew after having the talk with Wheeler about like, no, these people never existed. What you're thinking of is wrong. Um, yeah, I just, it just didn't, it didn't add anything additional that we weren't already aware of, especially with having Raina show up at the end saying, use me as fuel. Like she's literally calling out like how this episode works, you know? And, yeah. and I figured that was, that, I mean, that is a much stronger moment, but yeah, it was a good yeah. episode. I liked it. It just, you know, it probably could use some trimming. Yeah. Uh, like they, they repeat a lot of the bits and uh, like you figure out how this whole power works pretty quickly on um, that. I feel like you could have cut it down, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, I thought it was a weird place to start the season and it kind of caught me off guard. And it, when I initially finished the episode, I was a little bit let down, but the more I thought about it, the more I, uh, I ultimately came to terms with it and decided that I liked it. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't love this thing, but, um, I, all the performances are fantastic and it. it it looks great outside of some of the shaky cam stuff that was getting on my nerves in the first half. Um, and I, the attention to detail in this has me excited to see what's going to come later on in the series. Like I said, the stuff with the uh, Jordan Peele having his book of names and uh, his joke notebook, basically in the beginning, like having that was great. The whole picture thing was great. Um, the apostrophe thing, if that is true, is great. Um, there are quite a few references to the original series in there. I don't, I don't know if you want to get into. Yeah, some I'll get of those. into that, but I just want to mention at the end. So they have, they brought Peel back out as the narrator at the end, which is something that's, that's different. Right, yeah, and he has like this glass of, of of a beverage or something. Which I also like the whole thing when uh, Camille, sorry, Samir asked the bartender, he's like, uh, "Brown and cheap, no ice." I thought that was kind of a funny thing for him to say. Uh, yeah. It's like, like he's just kind of describing himself to the bartender. I thought that was really funny. Uh, but Peel has this drink in his hand and he goes through his like, you know, his outro narration. Then he holds up the, 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 you know, the drink as like a cheers, like a toast, which is what would happen between Samir and JC Wheeler. It's just yeah. a nice little character moment. And I didn't, you know, 
it, just having him come back, it's like that's it's a really great bookend. And then when we talk about the next episode, there there's some weird things going on with his bookends on that too. Well, I, I can't wait to talk about. But I, I just it's great. I love him in the suit. Like it's something yeah, about yeah. it. Like it, it, it's cool look, and it's just and he again his de- his delivery is a little different, and it's almost he's a little bit more wary. Like with his, the just the, the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, he, he uh, doesn't yeah. seem as like when you watch Rod Serling do the narration, especially the beginning one, you always feel like Serling knows exactly what's going to happen. Like he's the all knowing narrator. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Jordan Field feels like I'm going to sit back and watch this with you as well. Like, but, I, I might know a little bit more than you do going in, but like, like let's let's take a let's take a seat and see what's uh, what's about to happen here. Like had Serling actually been the one to do this and in, in, in the episode, he'd be like, and with uh, with Samir gone, uh, Devin went on to become a U.S. senator and do much good for the country. Like we don't yeah. need that. We like we <laughs> don't need it. You know, like and and Reina went on to work for Doctors Without Borders or whatever. It would have been like something, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. So yeah, um, let's let's yeah, let's talk about some of the references. I do have a lot of them here listed here. We'll just kind of burn through them real fast. Much much like he was on stage, the mural actually had elements from Eye of the Beholder and the episode The Masks, which we've not talked about yet in season five. Yeah. Uh, Will the Dummy is actually, you see him in the corner when Dee Dee's like doing her makeup at the mirror or something. Yeah, uh, which we're gonna, from the episode The Dummy, which, which we'll get we're to soon. in a few weeks. So that's, so that's the exciting. actual prop from the episode. And it was lent to the production by David Copperfield because he owns it. And the only stipulation he had was that he had to be name dropped in the episode. So, so whenever, you know, uh, Samir is like, I'm like evil David Copperfield. That was their payment for having the dummy there. Yeah. Um, which was masterfully dropped into the episode. Yes. Cause that was one of the lines that I actually legitimately laughed at. <laughs> uh, so, so in, in, um, in Samir's phone contacts, there's actually a number of references there. I don't know if he picked up on any of those. Um, uh, there is an Al Cadwalder Cadwalder that's actually uh, listed there, which you know him from uh, the escape clause. James Corey from the lonely is listed there as well, um, which nice. that was, um, was it Jack? Um, was it Ward was the guy that was the actor of that. Uh, Henry Corwin is uh, art Carney's name as Santa from night of the meek is listed there as well. Um, our favorite Al Denton from Mr. Denton on doomsday is listed there. There we go. Uh, another contact is James Embry, which is also Jack Ward from uh, no, sorry. No, James Embry is from King Knight will not return. Uh, Mouth McGarry is Jack Warden's character from uh, the Mighty Casey. So a Mighty Casey reference in this episode. So uh, listener of the show, Steve, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm taking this down a grade. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, for the Mighty Casey and Mr. Denton reference. Yeah. I like that the, 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 they had the, the two references from the same actor. I thought that was funny. Uh, and yeah, so we get to like the list of the high school friends and college friends on the social media. We have Paul Grinstead, who is a mirror image. Uh, William Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald is, uh, the, the name seen on the dressing room. That's the lead actor from the purple Testament about a guy that could see people's deaths in the mirror, you know, whenever that would happen. Um, what else is in here? Oh, and the beer that Dee Dee's drinking is called Canamit. Yeah, I did catch that yeah. one. That was the other one I had in my note. Yeah, so it was like Canamit lager or something. Canamit lager or something. Yeah, it's probably made from fat people. It's probably what it's made from. Um, but, but yeah, there's, a, there's enough here that it's like, it's fun. It's just like, it makes me worry. It's like, you guys are just trying to stuff so much in here. You're going to run out of references like along the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what I, what I have here listed from the references to the original series. That's fun. Yeah. And it's not like super in your face. Mm-hmm. 
like with any of them. Um, Maybe the dummy in the background, but it's it's not like they do a close up on the dummy or anything. I did not notice it until I read about it. It just never occurred to me. Like so, yeah, that's I, I saw it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> creeping me out in the back corner of that shot. Yeah. So, um, did I miss but yeah, I, I I like what this episode is trying to say. You know, as far as like putting your art out into the world and having it consumed and um. It, it not being yours anymore and what you're willing to give up and how much of yourself you're willing to give up for success and all that. Um, you can tell, you can tell it's written by somebody who understands the business, mm-hmm. uh, the, of show business and entertainment, uh, quite well. Yeah. So I, I, I liked it. It just, again, I will agree with you that like the, the more I kind of think about it, the more like, I'm not going to end up like maybe falling head over heels about this, but there's a lot I appreciate about it. Uh, so I ended up watching this episode in two parts initially. First, it was like Monday morning before I went to work. So I watched like a half hour of it. And then I ended up watching the rest of it on my iPad, sitting in a Taco Bell parking lot <laughs> <laughs> just because of my schedule. And I'm like, well, I have time to watch it now. So I had my headphones on watching it. So maybe I missed some of the nuance, like, you know, the first time through it. And I know I did not necessarily get all the music. The music in this was amazing. I loved that. Like there's very jazzy score that went through a lot of this and it was awesome. It felt very much in line with the series. Um, but watching it all the way through a second time, it, it's, it's, it's set much better for me. Yeah. I, I was just kind of bummed out. We didn't get the busy city jazz music that we get sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The like the, the, always the intro, the exterior yeah. shots of the club. <laughs> That'd have been great. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I don't know if you have anything else about this. I know we've been talking about it. We tried our best to skim through the story, but it still kind of came through because that's what we do. And it was good to talk to you about all this. Like we didn't get to the hecklers. We didn't get to the rest of that stuff. It, it's yeah, all, there, it's all the same thing. Little moments yeah. and everything, but yeah, they, they yeah. all kind of lead up to the same moments. And, uh, yeah. like I said, uh, like we were talking about, you could probably kind of cut some of that stuff out and get the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only other thing I really had in my notes was, uh, I've referenced Tracy Morgan being Mr. Death or something, but he is very much in line with like the Cadwalder or some of those characters, Absolutely. From especially season one. Um, I, I mean, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, he could have <laughs> he would have fit right in with Mr. Death in that one. Or yeah. is it Dr. Death? Excuse me. Is Dr. Death in that one? I think the, what was it? Uh, one for the angels. It was Mr. Death. So I think uh, yeah. the episode. Like, yeah, but I mean, it's all basically yeah. that same type of character of like almost the devil coming in to tempt you. It'd be great um, if JC Wheeler was kind of like that, the, the, the pivot like character in this whole season. It's like, I thought you were a comedian. You're like, I did that for a while. Now, now I'm another guy. It does another thing. It would be great if Tracy Morgan was like the connective tissue amongst all the episodes. I would have really, really <laughs> liked that. Um, but yeah, it, it felt weird as I was watching it and everything. But the more you think about it, the more the you can really tell that there's the DNA from the original series in this. And you can mm-hmm. tell that they put a lot of thought into creating something that feels new and feels relevant, but also pays homage and pays uh, its respects to the original series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was really impressed with what they did uh, the more I thought about it. Yeah, I like I like this episode a great deal. And again, considering I just feel like I should not judge it against what we've been watching recently, but it was it was a nice uh, reminder, uh, reaffirmation that the Twilight Zone, when it works well, it really works well. And it was this was a like I think Serling would really he would be really happy with this episode. Maybe not the swearing, but I think everything else he would really dig. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that I think that does it for the comedian here. Yeah. So I guess uh, we got to still do this proper. We got to just rate the twist, and then we'll talk about some other stuff. So let's just yeah. Here, here you don't know this is coming, but we have a new twist noise for these new episodes. So check this out. So new. <laughs> oh, so updated. I love it. It's it's not as scary as our new intro. I'm still no. a little creeped out. <laughs> no, that one that one made me pee a little the first time I heard it. So uh twist, I'm gonna give this a two out of five. Uh, because that he would eventually offer himself up to the crowd seemed kind of straightforward about whenever Wheeler was like, you know, you give yourself up and then they take it. So that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Doesn't doesn't change the how I feel about the episode, which I liked, but in terms of a twist it doesn't it was not that surprising to me yeah i'm I'm right there in line with you uh again it, the journey to get there was enjoyable and uh i kind of felt like that was the ultimate end to his character mm-hmm. um but it didn't take away from the enjoyment of the episode so I'll, I'll give it a two just because you can definitely see it coming from early on in the episode yeah so yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the new twilight zone season one episode one the comedian um all right, before we get into what we're doing next, Kevin, how can people find us? Well, uh, I I guess I'll say if you want to keep listening to these new Twilight Zone episodes, um, head over to patreon.com uh, slash strange highways and you can join up on there for as low as $1 a month. You can listen to the rest of the nine episodes this season. Uh, they're going to be posted up there. Um Episode two should be coming very soon up onto the Patreon only. Um, This one, obviously, if you're listening to it, you got it off the regular feed. Um, But yeah, please head over to the Patreon if you like what you heard and you want to keep up with the rest of the season. It's only a $1 month gets you access to these. Um, If you do want to give a little bit more, $5 a month lets you pick um, an episode of any anthology TV show that you want. and We will cover it. Um, and then $10 a month will get you, you can have us cover any anthology sci-fi horror film that you want us to do. Um, you can even come on the show and review it with us if you'd like. And we'll also send you a picture of Hyperion yeah. that we talked about back in season one or two. We're still trying to find the episode <laughs> that we discussed that it's in. Just so. Hyperion is much bigger than our series. So we just forget exactly where we learned about the majesty and the sadness that was the loss of Hyperion. Yeah, so if if any of those things interest you, or at the very least you want to listen to the rest of these new Twilight Zone episodes, uh, head over to patreon.com slash strangehighways. Yeah. Um, for everything else, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast. You can email us or leave us voicemails over at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. And then you can subscribe to us if you haven't already on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can find podcast we are there and if you could do us a favor and whatever uh feed you're getting us from or service you're getting us from uh rate and review us on there would really help us out get the word out about the show yeah that'd be great so um next episode we're covering on the show uh proper of the original twilight zone is called the gift Uh, i'll go ahead and read serling's intro here and i will not do as well as him or jordan peele so just a heads up 
Next week on The Twilight Zone, we tell the story that we think might prove a rather haunting little item in the scheme of things. It tells of a small Mexican boy and a visitor from another planet, and it tells further what happens when this extraterrestrial traveler is faced with some of this less personable instincts of human beings, like fear, superstitions, and intolerance. Our story is called The Gift. So we're going to get back into The Twilight Zone proper. Like, well, not proper is not the right word, but the original series. We're going to be wrapping up our season three as we go along. And if you're part of the Patreon, which we just like talked about and maybe offer a tote bag, we're not going to do that. Um, the next episode we'll oh, be covering. I want a tote bag. <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like we have the NPR drive where it's like, if you like these great Sterling items, <laughs> you know, check this out. Um, you get your own strange highways vape pen. Um, so next episode we're covering is season, uh, season one, episode two of the 2019 series nightmare at 30,000 feet. Uh, there isn't really a teaser. What is written on IMDb is a journalist listens to a podcast detailing how the plane on which he's a passenger will disappear. That doesn't give away anything because that happens pretty quick in the episode. So if you guys want to hear us talk about Adam Scott and uh, the weird inception type level of a podcast talking about things on our podcast, check out the Patreon. We'll be talking about that next. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed our coverage of The Comedian. And again, just real quick, if you guys don't have CBS All Access, this is available on YouTube and Amazon Prime for free. So check it out. I know we kind of went through it and spoiled it. So if you've not seen it yet, you'll know what happens. But if you've not watched it, check it out there. And that might make you want to subscribe to CBS All Access. We're not paid by them. But, you know, if you want to watch Twilight Zone, that's how you do it. So that's going to do it for our talk yeah. here. And yeah, have have a great week. And I hope you guys will join us for some talk about uh, Adam Scott and an airplane. Yeah. Until next week, look out for Tracy Morgan. Samir. If you go on a murder rampage, can you try not to do it while I'm here, please? And just to be clear, I say that not because you're brown. I say it because you're a man, sort of.